Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. ESPN Missoula. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. Well, Van Halen, not Van Hagar for you here on your Tuesday. What's up, everybody? Thanks for kicking it with us. Welcome back. Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Need something to do tonight? Palheads are back in town. No tickets to the game? You can win some from Western Cider. Stop by Western Cider's tasting room on home game days, and you could win a free pair of tickets. Order a cider and be the first one to tell the bartender, go Paddleheads, and a pair of tickets to that day's game are all yours. Western Cider has easy access to the ball field. Just a short walk over the California Street Bridge. You can also visit westerncider.com. Thanks to Mike and his team for uh, their awesome support of us. And uh, that's a fun promotion. Just swing into Western Cider, say go Paddleheads, you get tickets. Pretty cool. The, the uh, Paddleheads back at home tonight uh, against the Boise Hawks. Uh, Three-game set here in Missoula coming off an off day. So it should be a fun one. should be a, a nice night there uh, down at the ballpark. Thanks to Western Cider for their continued support of us here at ESPN Radio. Missed anything in the first hour of the show? can always find it, Nuana's Now podcast. We uh, we talked some fall camp, both Bobcats and Grizzlies. Actually, Grizzlies, then Bobcats. Heard from Riley Corcoran, voice of the Grizz. Also heard from Alex Eshelman, SWX Montana Television. Also had our weekly Treasure State Stars. And we heard from Ross McBunnies as part of our 4015, an excerpt from the Soccer in Snow and Smoke podcast. Fun interview there by Andrew Houghton uh, as well. All of it on the Nuanas Now podcast, probably presented by the M Store, the Advocates, and the Montana State Bookstore. You want some free sandwiches? Actually, you don't even, I shouldn't say that. You want to go to one of the coolest places in Missoula? The sandwiches are awesome. The sandwiches are what keep you coming back. But Tagliari Deli, they have a phenomenal selection of old country wines. They also have such like little niche rare Italian-style goods. I, I, let me tell you this. The, the finer things in life, they're worth it sometimes. And 
whatever noodles you buy at the store, they're, they're probably just fine, if not, you know, good to great. The normal, everyday tomato sauce you buy at the store, just fine. It may be even awesome. But I'm telling you, some of these specialty pastas and pasta sauces you can get at Tagliari, mm, just just tremendous. I cooked with some the other night, actually, and uh, I made a little chicken parmesan the other night, a little homemade red sauce. Uh, by the uh, the lack of conversation at the table, I think uh, I could tell it was a hit. But go check out Tagliari, located there at the corner of Beckwith and Higgins. And right now, call us. Actually, don't call us. Text us. Text us right now. And whatever one Andrew wants to choose, he's going to choose. 406-888-1029. That's 888-1029. Text us, and you will be entered to win a $25 gift card to Tagliari Deli, located there at the corner of Beckwith and Higgins. Tagliari Deli, one of the best sandwiches you're going to find in the state of Montana, but also a great place to do some specialty shopping when you're feeling in an Italian or Mediterranean kind of mood. You want to now you spin radio, you want to stream the show, you always can. You can always watch us on SWX Montana Television every weekday from 4 to 6. You can also stream it, 1029ESPN.com. Appreciate, uh, no matter which way, you tune in. Let's talk uh, some business and sports. Every other Tuesday, we do the business angle, the overlay between business and sports. And usually we're joined by Justin Angle a University of Montana business professor, one of our great friends, one of the great podcasters in the state of Montana, winner of the podcast of the year, in fact, courtesy of the EB Craney Award. So proud to be associated with Justin. He is on a vacation, though, so uh, we shall carry on. We'll forge forward without him. He'll be back in a couple weeks. Can't wait to, to see him back, whether it's live in studio here or down at his shop down there at Studio 49. But appreciate Blackfoot Communications for their continued support uh, of this conversation, a business angle, the overlay between business and sports. So, as this uh, merry-go-round continues to spin at such a rapid rate, uh, I can't help but think constantly and, and sometimes even exhaustively about the future of college football at all levels. I... I'm trying to get to the point on a personal level to just be able to take it for what it is, analyze it, and not get too over the top or upset or frustrated by what a lot of people think is the degradation of the game and specifically the the fallacy that is the notion of amateur Sports uh, at the college level. First of all, I think that, uh, and, and this is coming from someone that also does this. Oftentimes I proclaim things in which I am also a perpetrator of. But so often in America, I think, we look at things with an intrinsically and almost exclusively American view. And one thing that's fascinating, I, you know, I was thinking about this last week during our great ESPN roundtable with Chris Haslam and Jabril Bello. A couple guys from the United Kingdom, they're from Great Britain, from London, who now are involved with Montana State uh, men's basketball. And MSU is over there uh, on the other side of the pond doing their international tour. And they played a couple games in the U.K. They're going to play one game over in France. But Chris Haslam and Jabril Bello were both expressing just how totally different 
unique and in some ways strange the fervor for and the entertainment value of college sports in America. Sports are very popular across the globe. That is not a uniquely American thing. Sports are very popular. I mean, if you think Alabama-Auburn's crazy, go watch, I don't know, Barcelona versus Real Madrid or or go watch, I don't know, what's a good EPL match, Andrew? I mean, go, go watch a lot of these premier football matches uh, in England and in Europe. You talk about passion and sports fans. You talk about fervor. It's big time. But but the 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 obsession for collegiate sports is something that's you. I, I don't know about uniquely American, but but v- gravitating very heavily toward America and nowhere else. And those guys, Chris Haslam and Andrew Bobello, both talked about how it is a huge draw for athletes of a certain age to come be a part of that. But how it's also sort of bizarre. And when you really think about it, it really is kind of crazy that we have these teams that represent these universities, which are supposed to be educational, you know, bastions of higher learning. And and by and large, most universities are uh, in their essence and in their, their primary function. But yet it is sort of crazy that we have these like teams of young men and women that then we pin so much of our emotional well-being to and root on. I, I totally get being, having a, a deep affinity for sports uh, at a at a obsessive level, I totally get that. I totally get being a fan and and you know having something that you latch onto and being a part of something and, and rooting for something and and all of it. I, I get it. I totally get it. But having your your fandom attached to a place of origin or some sort of nostalgic memory, it, it seems a little bit more quote unquote normal than attaching yourself to a university and then a, a, a collection of young people. I don't know. I, I get a little bit ethically torn with uh, just how obsessed we are. I mean, I love Grizz football. I love Bobcat football. I also think it's kind of crazy that the result of those two teams playing each other can result in men that have families getting fired. That seems rather extreme when in their essence they're supposed to be educators. But I'm not naive to think that there's no money involved in exposure and branding and all that stuff. All that's to say, though, I do think that the notion of specifically high major college football being associated with and pinned to universities is becoming more and more and more muddied. I think that there's going to be a lot of dominoes that are going to fall. If, in fact, we determine that the top level of college football in this country is all about money. And that's what the line in the sand has been drawn to. The the academic similarities between schools, that's out the, out the window now with, with this Super 2 conferences that are becoming established. The regionality of conferences is also getting thrown out the window. You're going to have USC in the same league as Penn State and UCLA in the same league as Rutgers. I don't know if you noticed... But New Jersey and Los Angeles are a long ways away. There's not a lot of geographic similarity to that. They're doing this to have an all-encompassing national media footprint. Okay, so then when we determine this is all about money and we start to pay the athletes, then I start to wonder what's actually the point of having them associated with the schools other than using the massive networks that colleges have to market to fans. And so I think that there's a breaking point coming up here. But Andy Staples, who's one of the best college football writers in the country, a guy who's written for ESPN and Sports Illustrated and now writes for The Athletic, he gave 
a great statement saying that he thinks that what's going on at the top level of the FBS in the Power 5, which is becoming the Power 3 or even the Power 2, is very similar to what happened uh, a while back with the EPL and with other professional soccer leagues in Europe. In its premise, you go from a mom-and-pop type organization that's attached to a township, basically, to then a corporatized model where the dollar figures seem to be almost endless. They seem to have no ceiling. But we never really hashed this out. So, Andrew, you're a big fan of of soccer on an international level. You follow the EPL. We just uh, heard from um, Ross McMoney's giving you a little EPL preview. But what do you think of this parallel, and and in what ways does it sort of mirror uh, what we see uh, in modern-day college football and and sort of the the reallocation of, of, of... the business model that was traditional for so long, it seems like it's its evolving, morphing away from amateur athletics. But do, do you see the parallels here? I do. I love the comparison, and it's, in fact, a comparison that I've made before in talking with our friend Justin Angle uh, just about those business models. I mean, when you're talking about European soccer, the closest comparison to it in American sports is college football for a number of reasons. First of all is that there's a there's a technically open system. You know, there's not a closed league. Any team can compete for the championship if you're good enough, right? You can be promoted in the European football or European soccer ladder. And, you know, if you're good enough in college football, if you go undefeated, maybe you end up playing for a championship at the end of it. The other one is that as opposed to the big professional sports leagues in America, a lot of the fandom for college football and for European soccer is still based on ties to a place, right? Where you went to school, where you grew up. I mean, in in, in professional sports in America, it's not really that way anymore because they're so saturated everywhere. I mean, you can watch any NFL team on national right. TV. I mean, I'm an Eagles fan. Right. I, I think that, that I actually have a, a, a such a funny thought about this. I, I was thinking about this the other day. As you've learned now living in Montana on and off, and also living in, in Idaho too, there isn't pro sports in Montana and Idaho. So your, your place of origin or the place you grow up, you don't have that team that your dad and your grandpa watched. And so if you really like sports, you kind of just pick teams. And there's some some stuff that influences it. Like Bobby Houck, Montana head football coach, he's a big Braves fan. Why is that? Because Turner, because TBS was the only cable channel you could get in Big Timber, Montana when he was growing up. So he's become a Braves fan, right? You know, my brother was a big Lion, Detroit Lions fan growing up. Why? Because you'd watch Barry Sanders every year on Thanksgiving. And that was cool. That was fun. He was sweet. I'm a big Vikings fan because my parents were friends with uh, the Vikings owner's son, basically. So we would always turn on the Vikings. But I wonder now, though, what do you think is going to be the allegiance, the allegiance well, maker in, in in like rural places like this? Because you can watch everybody all the time, and it, there's not like those weird things that. But also, though, the teams are different all the time too. So it's so hard to like pin yourself. Like imagine thinking that you liked the Spurs, and then now Kawhi Leonard because you, you liked Kawhi Leonard, and now Kawhi Leonard's on his third team. I don't know. There's not the player draw or the exposure draws there used to be. No, and I think to to bring that back to college football, the powers that be in college football that are trying to break break away into these super conferences here, 
I think they're the bet that they're making is that that fan allegiance will sustain even when it's not regionally based anymore, right? Even when there's nothing, you know, it's hard to say, it's hard to draw parallels, it's hard to draw connections between these teams and their universities right now in terms of that team being a holistic part of the university made up of, you know, amateur students who go to the university and also happen to play, which is the way that college sports has been, you know, not for a while, but it's sort of the the rose-colored view of college sports. Now you're completely severing that. Right. And and that's a big part of college sports for a lot of people who are fans of college sports. Sure. I, I yeah, it's true. What what's the reason to follow Texas football or USC football? Well, so here's here's the reality that I think we're marching toward is twofold. One, just a complete and utter generation of bandwagon fans that change their allegiance based on who's winning, right? I mean, I, I kind of treat the NBA like that. I am a fan of the NBA, and I'm a fan of certain players in the NBA. I think it's silly to have a favorite NBA team. That's bad for people who own NBA teams, though. That's right. You're right. You're right. Unless you can capture a, a, a you know, multi-millions of people that think of it like I do, of just appreciating the league, wanting to see the legacies defined from individuals. But does that become a thing for college football now? I mean, that that you're not watching the best football in the country if you're watching college football. If you don't have some other attachment sure. to those games and to those teams, well, why wouldn't you just follow the NFL? Right, totally. And that's what this is going to become is just the NFL light, right? And then what's going to drop? But who's going to watch the NFL light? Everybody, because want to know why? You want to know what's going to drop people in? The coaches. The coaches. The, the, there's, there's two things that set college football apart from almost any other sport that we that we have such a fervor for here in America the the dictators that are the coaches that just rule these little mini kingdoms and also just the characters that some of these guys are I mean give me Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher just mudslinging all day we, we don't see John Harbaugh and Mike Tomlin just throwing dung at each other from across the room like we do in college football. That's part of it. But I also think as long as there's, regardless if they're attached to a university or not, likely if it's the NFL light, it's going to be because of the age of the kids. And I do think there's a distinct dynamic that exists where we're inspired by the accomplishments of young people, and we also think of football particularly as a sort of of coming-of-age uh, challenge for young men. The, the the last great proving ground for young men, as as some like to say, as long as it's young people, I think people gravitate toward that. And as long as there's crazy coaches that make ten million dollars a year, people will gravitate towards that as well. I mean, don't you think that there's always been this conversation? It, it, it's nuanced now, by the way. A business angle. No Justin angle here today. We're talking the overlay between business and sports and the future of college football and some of the parallels between. Uh, European European soccer and uh, English Premier League soccer. Don't you think that there's always been the conversation of why isn't there a second football league in America? Uh, Not not why isn't there. Why has all of the attempted second football leagues in America failed? Don't you think, though, that a secondary football league to the NFL – 
that was an NFL feeder, an NFL pipeline that was associated with the NFL that had some sort of age limit on it would be significantly more successful than all the other things that have been tried? Yeah, probably, because then you get all the uh, the NFL fans paying attention to it because they would have to, because that right. would be just a whole completely separate suite of content during the offseason for the NFL that fans would, you know, I mean, we're seeing it now. Training camp, preseason's just barely started on the front page of ESPN as NFL every day. Right. Talking about guys like Samori Toure or Daniel right. Hardy because totally. fans care about the 60th guy on the roster. Yep. And this would, this would just be a continuation of that. But it wouldn't be successful by itself, it's just it's only successful because the NFL ties. Well, for sure. But isn't that what the SEC has already become? Is just like this NFL I don't want to say that. I mean this this NFL development factory, basically. It's like the conveyor belt straight to the NFL. In reality, yes, but not in terms of the fandom though. I mean they're And that's what drives me crazy is in reality that is what it is and people are fanatical about it because they think it's not that and I don't know why. Why not just accept that is what it is? Because you can still put the veil over your eyes when Alabama is playing Florida and Georgia every year and it's you know, you've got all the traditions that surround the game day, the the Crimson Tide, whatever. I don't I, I think you lose that when you have USC playing Rutgers, right? Like, who cares? You can't even pretend anymore. There's a lot to hash out here. I think the other parallel between the EPL, though, is maybe the way that there's... uh, You you can play your way in or out. So tell people, if you have a poor record in the EPL, you get relegated, right? Yes. Is it only based on record? Is it also based on revenue generation? Only on... Play on the field. See, I wonder if that's a model that then that could be mirrored by college football in that I think that because like North Dakota State has had the hell of a time moving up, right? Because no one wants them. They, they're not a big enough media market to be coveted for the TV money. They also don't really fit in any conference regionally, although I, as we just explained, that's irrelevant or getting close to being irrelevant now. But the Big Ten didn't want North Dakota State. Not because they can't compete in football, and not because Fargo's not close to Minnesota. It's because of Fargo, North Dakota is, you know, population two hundred thousand. They don't they don't need the media market like they need USC. But just think if if North Dakota State could just play their way into the top level of college football, that could actually be something that is way more intriguing to me. You know, right now I think the thing that's so frustrating with this reallocation is. Even if, broadly, very few teams actually open the season with an opportunity to win a national championship, that number is becoming less and less and less as we continue to go down this road. And so they just need to find a way. Like, I don't know. I guess, I, I guess the last question I'll ask you on this is, does the future of college football have the same passion attached to it if it's the same 12 schools playing for all the marbles for the next 10 straight years? Well, if we're going with parallels to European soccer, then yes, right? Right. Because the passion is still there, right? even though nobody except the Manchester clubs, Liverpool or Chelsea, are winning the Premier League this year. See, the other thing that's so ironic is that the induction of this NIL stuff and being able to pay players and stuff like that 
it eliminates the number one factor that can derail programs. Like 15 years ago, you could have said, how will USC ever not just win the Rose Bowl or the National Championship every year? But then recruiting scandals completely derailed it. How is Miami not going to just win everything? Recruiting scandals derail it. You know, it's either recruiting scandal or a bad coaching hire, a bad coaching fire or a bad coaching hire. Those are the things that, that derail this stuff. But couldn't you see it now? Like Miami has the huge NIL money coming in and then they still aren't winning and then suddenly the money goes away and then you fall further than you ever have before? Hmm. Interesting. Like that's what we were don't just talking about. Don't you think the people that are crazy enough to give NIL money in the first place are never going to stop giving the NIL money though? If what you want to invest in is buying a football team of 19-year-olds, then I don't think that you have much rationality in what you're doing with your money. Yeah, that may be true. <laughs> Maybe you just run out of money, though. <laughs> it's no, a I good mean, point. It's a good point. It's definitely possible. One, one text from a loyal listener says that the, the, the allegiant maker now is sports betting and who you bet on. That's what's going to define it. It's an interesting point, but I think then the, the it's only for DGens though. But then, then it also makes your your fandom shift. Yeah, like you know me, you live with me on NFL Sunday. You're right. I got a new set of five favorite football teams every single Sunday. It's the five teams I put twenty bucks each on, <laughs> and then we sit on the couch and watch them. Right, but you're not buying a jersey for the team you bet on that Absolutely Sunday. Absolutely not. That doesn't make any money for the owner. I mean, yeah. it makes money for the owners, but it's it's not the same as being a fan of the Vikings for your entire life. That's exactly right. It's it's exactly right, and it comes with very little allegiance of any sort besides my own personal selfish financial gain. And if by chance I do take the Cowboys minus seven, I will rip the ticket in half as soon as I win and or lose that bet and never spend a single second of my life again rooting for the Dallas Cowboys. But that's again where the, the media rights are the real thing that they're looking at. Yeah, right. You know, you need, you need to have the package to watch the Cowboys or whoever it is you're betting that's on, right. even if you're never buying tickets to a Cowboys game or even if you're never buying a Dak Prescott jersey. So there again, we see the refocusing towards just... How much money can you sell the TV rights for? Man, the more you know, the the, the less fun it is. <laughs> Sometimes I wish that I could just go back and just unlearn so much stuff and just have it be, you know, the cut and dry passion for it all. All the business stuff makes your head hurt. But gosh dang, it's interesting to talk about. A Business Angle presented by Blackfoot Communications. No Justin Angle this week. But he'll be back with us in two weeks. The Business Angle and the overlay between business, excuse me, between business and sports. How about some more NFL talk? We'll come up with some more storylines to follow. Right after this, keep it right here. It's Nuance Now, ESPN Radio. Are you having a bad day? Did you get hurt and it wasn't your fault? Are you in trouble? No matter what has you down, you can take action and help yourself by letting Schulte Law Firm help you. Schulte Law Firm litigates injury, criminal, and civil matters, providing expert advocacy in any situation. Here with Dwight Schulte from Schulte Law Firm, when it comes to criminal defense, what's an example of why someone could or should call Schulte Law? Criminal defense happens on somebody's worst day, you know, and it doesn't mean that someone's a bad person. We all make mistakes. We all make choices that maybe aren't the best choice. And that can lead to dramatic consequences in somebody's life. So we're really focusing on personal injury and criminal defense. We do a lot of different areas of the law, though. We have a strong background in real estate. Um, We handle family law for clients, ton of mediations. The ultimate reality is, is 
that people have bad days, and that's when you need our help. That's when you need to call Schulte Law Firm because we know the players, we know the game. We can put people in the best position to achieve the outcome they want. If you've had a bad day, visit jschultilaw.com. This is Nuwana's Now on 102.9 ESPN Radio Missoula. One of my favorite songs that we pray over there on the trail, 103.3. Coming up in about 25 minutes, you can check out Tommy Evans on the new show, 6 to 7, every Tuesday night, debuting some of the great music. Uh, from all, He gets stuff, he gets submissions from literally all over the globe. It's actually so cool to see. People sending in their, their sound clouds and their, he even gets CDs still. I know a lot of you out there probably don't even know what a CD is. That's crazy. I'm that guy that's talking about the, the archaic past. But if you ever want to listen to some good tunes, the new show or otherwise, click it up one notch. 103.3 The Trail. I appreciate uh, the partnership there. It's always cool for me to, to think back to my youth and how much I love the trail and and uh, just how cool the trail is. And I learn a lot from radio uh, about radio from those guys pretty much every day here at Missoula Broadcasting Company. Nuance Now, ESPN Radio. Rocking out with some Decemberists here on your Tuesday Maybe you're watching SWX Montana Television. Want to stream the show? 1029ESPN.com. Going to get into some more NFL, but first, a continuation of this conversation about the parallels between the uh, English Premier League soccer and the way that college football is shifting. And, Andrew, you were making a good point that right now the power brokers are the ones that are pushing all of this forward. You know, first, the the, the powers that be in the SEC football – wanted Texas and Oklahoma to be in because they wanted to to exacerbate the TV money that they were already receiving. Then the next power move was the Big Ten trying to keep up by adding USC and UCLA and getting this coast-to-coast footprint that they can give them a ton of TV money. There's going to be more shifts to come. I'm almost certain of it. I have no idea. I think it's most concerning for us out west because I don't know what football out west is going to look like. I do think that Washington and Oregon are going to go uh, link up with one of these other Super 2s. I also think Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, and Colorado are not going to be left out to dry. So then what does Stanford and Cal and Oregon State and Washington State do? I don't know. There's a ton to get into there. But the, the power brokers pushing their weight around, this is kind of what happened. This is kind of how the EPL initially came about, right? That's exactly what happened. You mentioned it at the top of the last segment, and we just never got to it because we went spun off in a bunch of different directions. But that's exactly what happened in the early 1990s. It was essentially, uh, you know, the the chairman or or the power brokers at at five of the biggest clubs in England meeting with the TV executive and saying, hey, there's a bunch more money in it for all of us if we break away and, and form a separate league the teams the teams at the top of what was i guess called the first division back then the old first division you hear it called now right they had to share their revenues with every other team in the english football pyramid which is hundreds and hundreds of teams and they said well no we don't want to do that what if we break away and create our own league where we only have to share revenues within that league of of 20 teams maybe And they took it to the TV guys, or the TV guys came to them and said, well, we'd make more TV money here because we'd have these big matchups 
every weekend. We wouldn't be showing games from the third division and the second division. We would only be showing matchups between the best teams in the country. And I think there are so many barrels. I mean, everybody wants a bigger piece of the pie. And Alabama and Texas don't really care about how big a piece of the pie North Dakota State or That's Utah right. State or Montana gets. That's where I battle with this because our former co-host here at Nuanas now, when it used to be Tutel Nuanas, Ryan Tutel, he's the only person on the earth that I know that was obsessed with Tuesday night Maction. Mm. And he did it just to be a contrarian. He wasn't actually obsessed with it. He just wanted to have something that was different than everybody else. He also has an inordinate obsession with watching football, even more than I do. But the vast majority of people do only want to watch Oregon, Alabama. They do only want to watch Washington, Florida. So that's where I battle with this is I might not like the restructuring of it all, but I'm actually going to watch a heck of a lot more college football, and especially top-level college football, if it's the premiere of the premiere every single week on national TV. You're going to watch these games, and I'm going to watch. Sure. I'm going to watch Liverpool and Manchester City assemble. <laughs> That's right. Probably the two greatest teams in soccer history, uh, and and do battle with each other in the Premier League. It's the way it goes. And the thing is, is that it's never going to stop. Right? We can think of an endpoint for this college football realignment, college football uh, transformation. It's never going to stop, and and you can see it again in soccer because what would it be now? Almost 30 years after the formation of the, the English Premier League, those same teams were heading the proposed formation of the European, now Super League, which would take the top six teams from the EPL and the best teams from Italy, Spain, Germany, throw them into a Super League now and and knock out everybody else who came with them when the Premier League was founded, you know, 30 years ago. It's it's never going to stop that sort of grasping avarice. What's the what, like what's the worst case scenario for certain teams? Like has there been, there's been teams during this this evolution of the Premier League that once were valid, adequate if not good soccer teams that, that clubs that then went away is is that a possibility? Yeah, I mean, it, it's a thing that's happened. I mean, we talked about, again, you would have heard Ross and I talking about it if you've been listening to the whole show, but Leeds United, which was one of the better teams in the early years of the Premier League, went into debt and fell off the map and have only now just made it back to the Premier League. Uh, a team like Blackburn Rovers, which was one of the best teams in the early years of the Premier League, they're still not back. And some of these teams that didn't come with weren't absorbed into the Premier League. Some historic but struggling clubs are yeah. really failing now. A, a team like Derby County uh, in England, which was in administration, which is a fancy word for saying bankruptcy, they wouldn't have existed um, if you know they hadn't been bailed out. Yeah, and, I, and that's where it comes down to people wanting to save these brands and not wanting these teams to go away. But that's happened to a lot of teams who have been in the Premier League and you fall down and you fall into debt. And there's no way to, to claw back into it. And it comes full circle because we want we want to believe that college athletics exists, one, as the front porch of a university and a great marketing and exposure arm for student recruitment, two, a, a, a savory and fun part of the student experience. I mean, it used to be that kids would pick to go to a school to go to the games of the teams. And I think that still happens at the top level. 
But I'm not actually sure how often that happens at a lot of other places. Like how much marketing and uh, enrollment exposure is Portland State getting from Portland State football? I would argue very little. So then it, it is just about business. And so then you just wonder what the future is. And I think I'll be less salty about this when it's actually written in the sand. Like when when it is truly a pay-to-play and the only football programs that exist are the ones that are doing it because they can financially do so. And, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the future holds, but it is certainly a murky one and an ever-evolving one. Snowhound is now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. What's going on the rest of the week? We'll get you all set up. Keep right here. ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. I think when we walk out of the studio, it's going to be triple digits. I already need a shower. What's up, everybody? Nuan is now. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. I told you I wanted to give you some thoughts on number 37 for the Grizzlies, and I will in just a minute. But if you missed anything in today's show, you can always find it. On the Nuan is Now podcast, we heard from Riley Corcoran, the voice of the Grizz, Alex Eshelman of SWX Montana Television, talking fall camp football for both the Grizz and the Bobcats. Also talk some baseball at all levels, whether it's the 12-year-olds down there at San Bernardino or the Butte Miners, the regional champions of the uh, American Legion A Division, Billings Royals, Missoula Osprey, Missoula Paddleheads, all of the above. Also heard from Rox McMoney's as part of this week's 4015, an excerpt from the Snow and uh, Soccer and Snow and Smoke podcast, excuse me, Man, we talked some business and sports, specifically the parallels between the Power Five, now the Super Two, the Super Three, whatever it's going to become, and the EPL, the uh, English Premier League. Find all of it on the Nuanas Now podcast, probably presented by the M Store, the Advocates, and the Montana State Bookstore. All right, so I know this is this is controversial, and I have talked to a lot of people off the record about this. And so I'm not going to share any of that with you here on the live radio. Here's what we do know that is on the record that uh, we've been able to observe thus far. Montana Grizz football has a uh, long-standing and much revered, much hallowed tradition of passing down its number 37 jersey. Craig Paulson, a fullback from Plentywood, was the first guy to pass the jersey down. He gave it to the hitter, Tim Houck, Big Timber's finest, and the guy who really made 37 what it was. He was kind of the original 37, the the original designated hitter, as a lot of people wanted to call it. Tim Houck then gave the jersey to Todd Erickson, one of Butte's finest. Erickson gave it to Jason Crebo. Crebo gave it to Andy Pedick. And so the guys who wore number 37 from the late 1980s all the way through 2000 were all not only soft-spoken, hard-hitting Montana dudes who played defense, they were all also all Big Sky and in most of those guys' cases, all-American level players. Okay, then Andy Pedick handed it down to C.J. Pitcher, who came from Anaconda. And C.J. Pitcher was a great player when he was healthy, but he battled injuries. And for the first five or six hand downs 
It was always given to a, a young man from a Montana town that best exemplified the underdog mentality, the work ethic, the weight room warrior, you know, all that stuff of the Montana Grizzlies. And C.J. Pitcher, he struggled with injuries, and so he he wasn't quite as, you know, legendary or as accomplished as the 37s that came before him. Most of that was not his fault. He had a tough shoulder. It was a story all the time, though, when, when C.J. Pitcher was 37. Then Lauren Utterback came next, and Utterback, who was from Fort Benton, became an all-big sky linebacker, but again, he's not Jason Krebo. Jason Krebo's one of the greatest Grizz of all time, right? He's not Tim Houck. And it's not to say he wasn't a great player. He was a great player. Then Lauren Utterback gave it to Carson Bender. And Carson Bender did not have an opportunity to really prove that he was an elite talent or an elite player. Bender, because Bender suffered a horrific knee injury that basically ended his career. Then Carson Bender gave it to Ryan Featherston. And Featherston then wore the jersey. And then when Featherston passed it down to Jordan Tripp, the whole thing changed. Rather than becoming rather than getting handed down to a young guy who had several years left in the program, and then whatever player he became, whatever legacy he could have etched out, it just was what it was. But let, let's just take it exactly what it is. 37 was a superstar player. Late 80s all the way through 2000. Then in the 2000s, 37 was not a superstar player. And then when Featherston gave it to Jordan Tripp, the narrative of the number changed, and it became the best upperclassman Montanan who has the best chance for national accolades. And then you saw a run of 37s where they were all basically the Grizz's best defensive player. Jordan Tripp, Zach Wagaman, Caleb Kidder, Tucker Shy. I think that that made me... Had the number lose its traditional, or lose lose a little bit of a sense of what the tradition is supposed to be about. I do know this. I don't want to put words in Bobby Houck's mouth, but I do know that Bobby Houck wishes that the tradition was giving it to a, a younger player within the program and having that guy wear it for several years. It's not supposed to be wear it for one year, pick the next best guy the next year. Okay, but that's all of it. Also, all that said is Jace Lewis gave this number. To Marcus Wellnell. In its tradition, the tradition is that 37 becomes former 37 by anointing new 37. Okay? So regardless of the arc of the tradition that I just laid out, regardless of the fact that it went from superstar player wearing the jersey to maybe not quite superstar player wearing the jersey to then the best returning upperclassman Montanan wearing the jersey... All that said, their tradition is strictly what it is. It is player to player. That's it. That's all. When Jace Lewis announced this on Twitter, I thought it was a little bit peculiar that the Montana Sports Information Department didn't release anything. Their social media department did, but they did not release anything. And then we show up to practice before day one of fall camp, and the players aren't even out there yet, so we don't even know Marcus Weldell's not wearing number 37. And so we asked Bobby Houck, Sean Rainey of SWX, asked Bobby Houck the obligatory, what do you think of Marcus wearing 37? Bobby said, I'm not equipped to answer that question. We're going to have some further consulting to do. I, I just think that that is not in the tradition that this is supposed to be about. 
There's no consulting that needs to be done. Jace Lewis chose Marcus Wellnell. It's cut and dry. Jace Lewis passed the tradition on to Wellnell. I don't know what this is going to become. There's a lot of details behind this, a lot of emotions behind this. It seems like a, a giant and unnecessary distraction in what's supposed to be a banner year for the Grizzlies. And we're out of time talking about it, but I, I think it's cut and dry. should be player to player. We'll be back at it tomorrow. Nuana's now, ESPN Radio. See you at 4 o'clock. Maybe we'll talk more about this. We'll see you then. ESPN Radio. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia. When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.